Hello and welcome to the Super Rugby quarter finals review. We have, yes, we're down to the the, uh, the, the pointy end. We had four games. We had the um, what, Crusaders versus the Highlanders, the Haguaris versus the Chiefs, the Hurricanes versus the Bulls, and then to finish us off, the Brumbies versus the Sharks. So to take you through all, oh, by the way, hi, I'm Paul, guy behind Driving Mall, your best base rugby predictions and opinion. And to take you through all of that kind of action, I have with me the one, the only, Cornflake. How are you doing, sir? Oh, big intro there. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back um, yet again. And welcome along, everyone, to the review for the quarterfinals. I mean, eight teams become four in the weekend, don't they? And then Two become one? No, no, no. That's, that's, some, that's, some, that's some kind of song, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> some I'll, sort of love I'll, song I'll, and two become one, you know? Oh, I'm, never mind. I'm playing the young card. No, it's too too far ago for me. No, <laughs> don't remember. Too young. Anyway, let's move on to the rugby. Let's get what we're actually here for. Um, game number one. We'll start off Friday night. Of course, the big uh, Southern Derby, as it can be called as well, the Crusaders up against the Highlanders. And um, promised a bit this one, but most people are expecting that the home team, as was the case in all these matches, would get the job done. And the Highlanders, well, they weren't the ones to uh, let that put them off because they got off to a good start. Nice and early. Homopo. Just about scoring very, very early for the oh, Highlanders. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry? Who, who scored early? Uh, if you'd let me finish there, Homopo scored early, but it was disallowed. No, no, no. It's, is it Homopo or Hemopo? Hemopo. Yes, Homopo. Homopo. What, what did you say? Hemopo. What did I say? You said Homopo. I said Hemopo. Anyway, never mind. Go on. Well, moving on. Moving on from Homopo. Homopo scored it. He scored. It was disallowed. It was Homopo. Goodness me. What are we... What's happening tonight? It's absolute shambles already. The Highlanders were starting very well anyway, regardless. <laughs> but they did score the first try. And uh, C.O. Tompkinson. Did I get that one right? Is, is that all right? You're happy with that? Okay. I'm going to pick on your names now in the in the, in the the preview for the next show. <laughs> uh, he scored the opening try of the matchup, actually. The Highlanders stole a line out, fired the ball quickly out to the left side. Rob Thompson offloaded three defenders on his back. And he creates an overlap nicely through Ben Smith and then Tompkinson to finish in the corner. And the Highlanders got off to the great start that they were dreaming of. The Crusaders, though, got their line out right for once early in the stage. It took a while for them to get that going. And they moved forward to draw the Highlanders um, very narrow and left no defenders out wide. David Havili getting an easy run and try under the sticks for the home team. Then Offload City opened up for business as Bridge drew in three defenders of his own down the left-hand side. His fantastic offload to Fitu Douglas, who was quick as a flash, dishing it off to Richie Moanga to go over in the corner. And somehow, um, inexplicitly, running around under the sticks as well, which shouldn't have been allowed in that situation whatsoever. But the Crusaders firing back very nicely there. Ty Warden jumped in on the act for the Highlanders hit back just before half-time. And it was a very unlikely way as well. Five-minute scrum. Fired straight out to Warden flat, and he crashes through a man who doesn't miss too many tackles in Jack Goodhue, and he stumbled his way over to make it a very tight at the break, 17 points to 14. The penalty, just keeping the Crusaders in the lead by a whisker. The start of the second half was a frantic start, and it was halted in its tracks pretty quickly as probably the most controversial and well, decisive factor of the whole matchup happened out early on as uh, Liam Squire was sent to the bin for a shoulder charge on um, the Crusaders player. And that uh, really put a dampener on this matchup as well as from there on in, the Crusaders took over. And they turned to their pack as well through the line-out mall. And a bit of a tactical blunder, many would call it here, from the Highlanders defending it. Only really one man went into it 
for the Highlanders to defend them all. And um, against probably eight or, or nine, ten probably Crusaders players, uh, he got pretty quickly squashed. And everyone just watched as he rolled over and uh, scored a pretty, well, start of the end to the Highlanders as well. The yellow card period was really killing them. Another line out more, and this time at least they actually defended it, and they defended pretty well. But near the sideline, it broke off on the edge, and Alan Otoa charged over. And um, after the try, Liam Squire did return from there, but it was 31 to 14 by that point, and pretty much game over. The Crusaders set piece gained another victim. This time it was Bridge who chipped it over the top. Uh, Banks messes up completely at the back, and Moanga uh, stole from his grasp and uh, scored yet another try for the home team. It was a bit of a blowout in the end. 38 points to 14. The Crusaders taking quarterfinal number one. But it was a bit of a, a dreadful second half by the visiting team. They were definitely out for it the first, but couldn't stick with it for the full 80, could they? No, not at all. I mean, the first half, they, uh, they, they were there, there or thereabouts. And we had even some really good performances in the second half as well, to be fair. I mean, Coltman um, his, uh, uh, had, did, sort of was trying to sort of win the game himself in, at the beginning of the second half. Uh, and then with, with his turnovers, it um, was great at the breakdown. Uh, for example, uh, we had, I mean, Hemapo uh, and uh, Franklin both had really good first halves, but uh, faded. Uh, and in that second half, the Highlanders really just fell to pieces, didn't they? The, we, what we had swearing at the ref, um, they, 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 they just were a mess in that second half. They, they lost the kind of plot, uh, which is a real shame because it was the end of an era for this side. We've had lots and lots of players. Uh, this was their last game. Uh, for the team, I mean, both um, Franklin, Hemapo, uh, Squire, uh, Ben Smith, uh, just to uh, name a few. It's going to be um, a lot of time of uh, new guys coming through that team, isn't it, as well in the future? But, I mean, I think they showed certainly that before that yellow card time, that the Hardness definitely were in this match. They were good enough uh, to take it to the Crusaders. Um, do you think the Crusaders have a reason to concern maybe for the, the future of of this season, uh, teams may have been able to exploit or find areas to exploit that the Highlanders did pick up on in that first 40 minutes. Um, I, well, as I say, I think it was a matter of uh, the the collective from the Crusaders against the kind of individual brilliance of certain players in that Highlanders pack, Highlanders team. Um, we saw sort of individual players standing up at different times, the Highlanders, but the overall group of the Crusaders saw them through in the end. Uh, they didn't. I don't. Think, they weren't the kind of same standout players, but overall, they just were managed to get the job done. And, and I mean, was it three of the, um, all three of the, the, or sorry, three out of the four tries, or it ended up being five tries in the end because of Mayanga robbing Banks. But three out of those first four tries by the Crusaders were from lineout malt. Um, so you've got to say, uh, it, it, I mean, not necessarily directly off them, but um, but that, that was the, that was the basis of them all. Uh, so. If you manage to keep keep uh, your discipline, don't give them the penalties. Don't let them kick that corner. Then you're in for a you, yeah. You got to say you're in for a good chance. So uh, yeah, if you can ma- maintain your discipline, um, you've got a good chance against them. Uh, I think going forwards. But um, yeah, and very few sides managed to do that, have they so far? Yeah, you also mentioned the other man that will be departing, the iconic um, throw of Marty Banks will no longer be a part of the Highlanders, which is a, a real shame. He's a bit of a legend, so um, no more Marty Banks. But, I mean, I think you, you look back at the Highlanders season, and I don't know, from from my point of view down here, you've got to say, getting to those quarterfinals, losing to what's likely to be uh, the winners, is this one of the favourites at least. Uh, you got to say that's a successful season for the Highlanders, wouldn't you think? 
kind of, but then yeah, the other way to look at it is that I think they had what a, lo- a losing or Steve or I mean they 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 lost about as many games as they won really. Uh, sh- should they? I mean, um, not not particularly then, but should half the I mean should, should more than half the teams be making the finals really? Um, it's kind of just let's get rid of the worst play. Even if you're having an average season, you can uh, you can make the finals if you're a decent side. So uh, I mean, let's not talk about the Blues there though. But the um, <laughs> But this, I think, this was a very average season for the Highlanders. Not a good season. Yeah, but that's the competition, isn't it? You're playing to the rules, and I guess that that allowed them to sneak in right at the very, very end, didn't it? So, yep, could have been better, um, but definitely could have been a lot, lot worse, like the Blues. But um, yes. Um, so, and then, and then tomorrow night on the Hash Rugby Chat, what we'll be doing is we'll be going through the bottom five teams in Super Rugby and give you our grades as to how we think they did. Um, the week after, for next week, we'll take the middle five, and then the final week, we'll take the top five. Um, so, over the next three weeks, we'll give you a, a grading for all of the Super Rugby franchises to how well we think they've did compared to sort of expectations um, for the season. So, um, yeah, come and join us tomorrow night, eight pm, for that. Interesting, very interesting time. It'll be good to see what you think about the Blues. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. Move on to uh, what is quickly becoming. Um, everyone's nearly you know, second favorite team, and and most of um, the good oh, America, South America's favorite team, isn't it? With the Jaguars doing the job against the Chiefs, and it was always going to be a tough ask for the Chiefs heading over to Buenos Aires to get this job done. But I mean, if there's a team that's hitting their straps at the right time, it was the Chiefs. But it was the best start possible you could get uh, for the home team. Quickly off the kickoff. A bit of breakdown pressure and a turnover inside the Chiefs 22. And it was quickly spun out wide to an unlikely winger in uh, Matera who crashed over. And really from a, a very early start, erupting the home crowd into support, which is really in a stadium like that, the last thing you want to happen as a visiting team. So they're off to a flying start. Uh, the Chiefs did strike back finally after butchering multiple chances at, at the line. But the Jaguars couldn't keep them out. And it was the man of the season, Brad Weber, who dummied the defence and support from his left from uh, Boschier, who had enough to slide in to the teams to go half-time break from there. It was only a two-try first half, which after that first game we just watched, um, it was a bit of a difference maker as well. 10 points, 8, the Chiefs actually led thanks to the penalties. And, of course, the conversion was a big, big difference over the Jaguars. But into the second half, the Jaguars set-piece finally reaped some rewards for them, some patient phases and... Probably what we'd call now typical Jaguares expansive play, like we've seen from this season all year long. And it's it's been unlike it, but uh, throughout the season, they now look more at home and they get that set piece going. Um, they look like the team that get the job done. They did take um, almost the lead. It was 16-15. The Chiefs still had it by a whisker, but the game exploded and the pace stepped up a gear and the Jaguares, as the game wore on, was wearing into another gear. A massive swing. Um, of momentum as the Jaguars took control of the game. Penalty put them in front, 18-16, and then they got another penalty further on in the half as well that added to the score. But they were all over that latter half of the second, and it was really the defence for the Jaguars that won in the game, and the Chiefs, everybody in the first half, they just couldn't put it anywhere near the bed in the second half. The Jaguars did it through penalties in the end, 21-16, getting the win over the Chiefs. An interesting game. The Chiefs certainly gave it a good stab, but not quite enough to break down that solid defence that they have there in Buenos Aires. No, I mean to to have got to um, the to, to yeah to to have pulled it back or to, or to have got themselves back in the lead uh, and then to get out to eight sixteen. You've got to say that at that point they've uh, they they would be looking to push on and seal it. But uh, 
yeah, maybe that travel was a bit too much. I mean, we've had a lot of players who have um, uh, been uh, sort of played extra because of injuries and all that kind of stuff in this side. Uh, so maybe, or lack of game time maybe for some as well, uh, really meant that uh, maybe the, the, the Chiefs kind of ran out of steam. I think a player that will have surprised a lot of people uh, who had a, who um, when he wasn't injured had a really good season, which was um, was Debrasini. I mean, here's a guy who couldn't get a start for the Rebels, um, running and cutting up teams um, with his with his occasional runs. One of those players that you kind of renowned for his kicking and sort of distribution, um, and therefore people sort of drop off him thinking, hey, he's, he's, he doesn't run, he's not going to run. And then suddenly they leave him those gaps and off he goes. Um, maybe a bit, uh, is he, I mean, could could he be the new kind of beaver for, for, for the Chiefs, kind of a, one of those, become a cult figure um, for the Chiefs? I don't know, we'll see. Oh, goodness me. It's a bit early to put him down that poor old path, isn't it? I mean, he's got to lose a test in Hong Kong before he gets to those sort of <laughs> accolades. So it's a long way to go, poor old Jack. But I mean, you're right, he did really did uh, progress. The fact that he didn't play much, but he did make a massive difference to that back line. And you'd even say, as, as a shame as it is on, on poor old Marty McKenzie, uh, they did lose a lot when he come on, um, when Debrasini did hurt himself, uh, some sort of injury there. We, we won't really know what the extent is because they're gone now. Um, so he'll just fly under the radar with that injury, won't he? He's not going to be in any frame for anything else later on. Um, but yeah, they made a big difference. Um, well, you, you say that, but I'm looking forward to seeing him up uh, playing for Northland. So um, uh, I, I got to uh, well, I got to interview him last year when I was up there, uh, but I forgot to hit record. So hopefully this time when I'm up there and I get to talk to him, I'll, I'll hit record and you'll be able to get to see the interview. Hopefully. That's always a, the most important button to push, is that record button. Uh, a lot of talking, even in the chat uh, for tonight's video, um, about Brad Weber. Uh, surely, we've gone on all season, and he's got to be into that mix for, for higher honours. But he again, he showed it up, didn't he, here for the Chiefs. He really is proving to be probably the form number nine in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fantastic player, form number nine, as you say. Um, and... I mean, we'll, we'll get on to uh, to the Hurricanes and TJ Perinara, but yeah, a bit like a bit like TJ, lots of um, is is very quick, runs a lot of support lines, uh, so hence gets uh, gets amongst the tries quite a lot as well. So yeah, he's more that kind of style of um, scrum half than the sort of Aaron Smith uh, kind of distributing and picking out players. But it, he's and he's got a decent pass on him. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely yeah, his, his his pace really has shown. His support lines really have shown out shown this season, which has been which has been good. Obviously, I still don't think he'll get um, he'll he'll be on the plane to Japan, so we'll uh, we'll get to see him playing for Hawks Bay um, this season. And hey, you never know, I might be able to get a chat to him too. What a what a waste of talent that would be, eh? What a waste of talent. Well, I mean, we can't go on from this game. I was going to, but we can't go on from, without giving a bit of a bit of a props here to to the Jaguars and the the Argentinian fans, and especially those players. Uh, they look. It's in great form. They look in control. They look like they know how that when they can step it up a gear and they can change the tempo of the game, they can dictate. And they just look like uh, quite a complete unit with the team. And you can say even in that match against the Chiefs, they really didn't fire. A lot of guys were very, very quiet. Um, their pack probably had the better match than their, than their back line. And it wasn't a, a, a vintage Haguaro's performance by any means, but they still got the job done, which I think, We'll give them confidence, but to get to the semi-finals, I mean, they really look like they might be the real deal to get to the big one um, this season. Although they will have to travel, which would be a shame. But you can't, you can't discredit this team anymore. Anyone who's a bit of a doubter, um, Phil Currens, wasn't it? Yeah, can go four in the river. 
but uh, these guys are the real deal. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're very good. Um, the the pack, I mean, the, the scrummaging, um, let's be honest, isn't um, is, isn't that wonderful? But apart from that, this is uh, this is a very good side. Uh, they've they, they the lineouts works really well. Their forwards are, are, are an absolute menace at the breakdown, carrying the ball, um, and those backs are just absolutely electric. And with a um, a halfback combination that, uh, that that leads them around the pitch. So, uh, yeah, um, very all round side. I say the only chink in the armour is the is a scrum link. We saw that a bit at the weekend, uh, and coming up against the Brumbies, who are very much a forward orientated team. Um, it's going to be um, forwards against backs a bit, so it's going to be interesting um, to, to to see what happens next weekend. But yeah, uh, they've they fully deserve where they are. They fully deserve to have the the home advantage, uh, and uh, yeah, doing great. So with those two results, we had our two home teams for the semi-finals. Of course, Crusaders will be hosting, and the Haguaris will be hosting. We'll move on to our next match, but before we do that, halftime team talk, Paul. What's coming up this week on the channel? So the halftime team talk. Yes, hi. Tomorrow will be the hash rubby chat. Um, where we will talk, I say we'll be grading, the, starting our uh, end of season grades for the teams. Uh, then on Wednesday, it's the All Blacks edition and uh, of, and the Super Series over in the States for the uh, Black Ferns is kicking off. So we'll have a chat about that. Um, and uh, then we'll be previewing the, uh, the the two semi-finals on Thursday. So hopefully I'll think I'll have Ryan for that one. Um, and then obviously the games are both on Saturday. Now, I'll unfortunately not be doing post-match reactions. I'll see if I can get other people to step in because I will be at the uh, Gabs, which is the great Australian beer spectacular. Um, so uh, working, unfortunately. Um, but um, so yeah. So hopefully, but yeah, full a full week of stuff before we hit um, before we hit the weekend. A full week at the great beer extravaganza. What a name! What a name <laughs> Gabs. that is. Yep. Move on. Let's move on to the rugby though. Hurricanes versus the Bulls. It was a semi-final number three. And this will dictate who would play the Crusaders. So a lot at stake here. But obviously for the Bulls' stake going into this, at least they knew they wouldn't have to fly outside of New Zealand again if they did manage to pick up the win. But it never really looked on their side uh, for most of the matchup. The Hurricanes struck first and it was from the tee. But the Bulls hit back harder with a try, which many people wouldn't have sport expected going to happen. Uh, Krill picked a hole through the inexperienced midfield combo of Umanga Jensen, and he drew the pass beautifully to Warwick Gallant, who had just enough pace to elude the rapid Bowden Barrett to score the only try of the matchup. But the Hurricanes struck straight back, and it was revenge for Umanga Jensen, who broke out wide, and with the overlap to Wes Hoosen, who angles his run perfectly, and the support on the inside to TJ Perinara, who we've really talked a little bit about, to score his opening try of the matchup as well. The penalties of the first half were costing the Bulls. It allowed the Canes to get into more attacking areas. And it was fairly simple when they get the ball close to the line. Ben Lamb spots a wee half gap, and he's too big, too strong to stop. And he does the rest for their second try of the game. A quick throw from Bowden Barrett really caught, caught the Bulls napping here. They're unprepared, and they didn't really set their lineup. And um, a quick pick and go from substitute Royasi, who set off Pinzier's back, supports his, or didn't support himself, backs his pace, and nails it to the line. Didn't look for the support outside him, just nailed it, absolutely gunned it for wheels, and put the Canes up 24 points to 7. And at this point, many people are thinking uh, this one could be done and dusted. We had some close ones already, but this one is blowing out quite considerably this time. But just before half time, the Bulls did get themselves back into the game. It was a crucial time to try it, to score a try as well. Cornell Hendricks picked up the most messy pass in all of rugby, uh, dribbling along the floor. He picks it up, flat-footed. He then puts on the step of champions to elude about three Canes defenders and then score it in the corner as well. No right to do it, 
but you can't do anything but criticise the awful defence from the Canes and the amazing talents from Cornell Hendricks. That brought it right back. 24-14, the Hurricanes leading at the break, but the Bulls certainly were fighting back. The round of bounce of the rugby ball played into the Canes' hands, though, as the Bulls let the kick bounce. An offloading masterclass that followed from the Hurricanes it was a joy to watch. Rayasi getting the credit again as second of the game as he swept around from the left edge to put it closer to the sticks. The Bulls, though, they struck they struck close off the back of the scrum, but um, that was disallowed to um, Vermeulen, who was just a blade or two short of the line. Um, and then, as they spread it wide, Rayasi going for the intercept, knocks the ball down, and we all know what happens when you've got an overlap, one defender, two attackers, and he hits the ball down. Yes, it was a big yellow card for him, and of course the penalty try as well. That brought the game quite nice and close, and then Cornell Hendricks brought it even closer. Crossfield kick from Pollard, and Hendricks rolls out that big old step again, leaves Geordie Barrett scrambling in the dirt as Hendricks flies over in the corner and brought it into just a four-point game, 32-28. to 28. Penalties again were crucial. Geordie Barrett put over another one to put their lead open to seven, and everyone was uh, getting excited about the possibilities of a draw, which didn't thankfully come about, and the final score was 35-28. Hurricanes getting it done. Not as easy as it looked, though, Paul, was it? It was a bit closer, and I guess those Wellingtonians' hearts would have been um, a little bit in their mouth for a bit there. No, absolutely. As, and as you say, um, Hendricks, fantastic um, game from him uh, out there on the uh, on, on the wing, getting a couple of tries that, uh, yeah, he had no no uh, no right to score at all. Um, but this was a real contrast in styles because you had the um, uh, the Hurricanes, I'm just trying to bring up the stats at the moment, but you had the Hurricanes there basically trying to score off, off nearly every... Um, uh, every, every possession with little chips over the top and uh, and kicking it around. There was no none, none of this kind of um, earning the right to go wide or trying to play territory. Uh, lots of um, little kicks um, and dinks over, as I say. Um, and it's, it's it's interesting interesting style there of them just trying to score off nearly every play. Uh, and it does mean that you're going to be there's a lot of contestable kicks. A lot of con- as um, a lot of the time you're not going to have um, the ball. Uh, and so it's gonna it's, it makes it for a long old game for for you if you play that style. But hey, um, they 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 um, they worked um, this evening or or, or last evening. Um, I mean, they only had twenty eight kicks from hand in the end, but some they were running at they had like seven in the first eight minutes, uh, and uh, then they calmed it down a bit. But yeah, interesting um, from from there uh, as, as I say um, that um, the uh, a. Penalty try and uh, yeah, Ryasi really kind of um, uh, as Steve says in the chat there, best and worst youthful exuberance. Some great attacking, some weak defending, and uh, the shocking yellow. He summed them up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. A few words. Yeah, I mean it was good. I, I, what what was the best part about it, as we talked about in the um, post match um, review of the game, was the fact that he just backed himself. Uh, no shortage of confidence to go for that line when he when he picked up um, from the back of that ruck after uh, Barrett and Perinara had that little quick line out play down the down the wing um, to, to not 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 slow up not not look around just just go for it just have a go have a crack and boy he showed every inch of pace didn't he and he beat some quick defenders there as well for the Bulls they have to look at this as just about a missed opportunity for them as well but to come to this sort of instance to have been the dominant side, I guess, in South Africa, if you exclude the Haguaros. They've, they've been right up there with the best of them throughout most of the season. you feel that they probably want to go one more? Um, it's a real shame. It's kind of a coming-of-the-age season for the Bulls, and yet half the team are heading overseas, um, which is at the end. So I, we've 
his, history tells us that the Bulls cannot play outside of South Africa. Uh, and, and we saw that. We, we kind of got a taste of that early in the season when they went over to um, Argentina and lost the Jaguars after the Jaguars had lost their opening game to the Lions for the first time ever at home. Um, so you kind of had that feeling. Then they came on tour, two draws, a win and a loss is fantastic return for them off four games. You think, wow, here's a side that's really kind of, that's, that's just got it now. That, uh, and let's be wonderful to see what they do next year. Uh, except, I say, half the team are going and it's rebuilding time again, which is a real shame. Yeah, and when you look, they look at this game too, they'll look back and see they were down 24 points to seven. That That is a big way to be down minutes before halftime as well. To, to have that ability to fight back, they did really, really well. I think they can definitely um, be quite proud of that performance. But like you say, next season, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Big, big loss in part of obviously losing him. He's guided this team around. His reliability with the boot, not only off the tee, but out of the hand. Um, just the way he controls the game. And, and, of course, some big forwards in there that definitely do contribute well to how this team plays. So, um, yeah, here we go. It's interesting to see how these balls are going to recover from that next season and, and try and build on that. Uh, it's going to be fairly tough for them as well. But um, now, And you say, yeah, great character from them. 24-7 down. I think a lot of us are thinking this is going to be a thrashing. Um, but, yeah, great characters come back and, as uh, so I push the, push the Hurricanes all the way. They did indeed, and that made um, so that made the Crusaders go up against the Hurricanes, and that will be our first semi-final. No, well, technically it's our second one, isn't it? Because it'll be on Saturday night. Yes, of course. So get the Jaguars <laughs> and their, their time zones. So great that they're playing on Saturday, though. Don't get get me wrong there at all. Well, I love they're playing Saturday Friday night, which is yes, Saturday morning. <laughs> Saturday morning for me. I have to set an alarm to get up in time to watch it. But that's you live, good. you live in the future. I do, indeed. We'll move on to the Brummies with the Sharks. Obviously, this team was going to be the decider to go and face the Jaguars on Friday night, as it would be in their time zone. And it was this game I can simply put down to probably two words that ultimately decided this matchup between the Brumbies and the Sharks. Inside balls. And that really summed up the whole entire game. That's where the first try come from. And we've seen it very early. And the trend continued. In fact, it probably only continued to half time because they kind of put it away mostly in the second half once the game was almost done. But it was inside ball from Oriano that set away the former Crusader Pete Samu on a blockbusting run minutes into the game. Uh, great speed. And we know what he's all about, old Samu. And he got the Brumbies off to a great start. Second try, same story. Seo slips it to Banks. He slices through and he's got support from Henry Spate. And it's two tries to the Brumbies. And then they thought they'll crack out the big weapon. Yep, the rolling maul come out. And then after 23 minutes, the Sharks were still to concede a maul try this season. That ended after the 23rd minute. Took a bit normal than the normal. Took a bit more than the normal maul try from the Brumbies. But Samuel at the back grabbed his second of the night. That put the teams at halftime. The Sharks only managing two penalties and trailed 24 points to six. Then we say finally. The Sharks turned up. They scored a try, and the temperature at that point was the only thing lower than the Sharks' points tally. And the power from the Sharks' number 12 got them a good um, forward momentum, carried them over, and it took nearly an hour, but they finally got it. And it, they had it for a long time, too. The um, defense was holding very, very good. The Brumbies were happy to defend, try hold them out, but ultimately they finally got some reward. The Sharks were going to uh, make something out of the matchup, but their heart was quickly broken. There was Joe Powell made something out of a little tiny amount of ball they had through that period. The Sharks really dominated possession, a little dummy off the ruck, and that really was a bit of a punch to the heart of the Sharks, who were trying to focus everything on that to tr get another try in the game. That was quickly snapped away from them, though. And then the Sharks, their heads dropped, 
and that really was the killer blow for them. Um, another try uh, to the Brumbies. They got control back in the game. They got a bit of ball, and Tom Banks showing another quality step and another inside ball from Lucas, and to put that one to bed, 38-13. to 13. Not too many highlights, but it was a similar story throughout, and the Sharks really not up to the task against the Brumbies. No, not. Um, and uh, you've uh, got to say, yeah, the Brumbies put this away in the first half, didn't they? Uh, built up that lead and then let scoreboard pressure um, win the game for them. Uh, because um, you've got to say, it's, whenever you're chasing the game, which, oh, sorry, I'm not on screen, am I? Um, sorry, folks, a bit of, uh, have to shoot the producer. Um, the, that's, yeah, as soon as you're chasing the game, and as you say, what's it, 24-6, it means you can't start kicking your penalties. You can't get. The, you can't really get the scoreboard ticking over. You've got to go for sevens. You've got to chase the game more, um, and that makes the uh, that, that makes it. Um, I say much much harder. And the you, you, you've got to say the Brumbies. I mean, a lot of people here are going to talk about. Oh, it's the scrum. They're all scrum. Blah 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 blah. Scrum um, about the Brumbies and uh, and stuff. But thirteen clean breaks. That's a that's a pretty impressive number of clean breaks, especially when you've only had thirty nine percent of possession. You've hardly had the ball, and yet you get 13 clean breaks. They did really well. Only seven clean breaks for the for the, for the Sharks, um, which again shows you that the uh, the tackling and the defence by the Brumbies was strong. So not only did they pull out those the the, the, the nice attacking moves, as you say, with those inside balls in the first half, um, but then they really put them. They really uh, kind of um, tackled their hearts out. They tackled twice. They had twice as many tackles to make as as the uh, um, as the as, as the Sharks, but they both missed 20. So you've got to say that um, yeah, the Brumbies really earned this one uh, and des- uh, fully deserve to be in be in that quarterfinal. Oh, sorry, be in that, be in that semi-final. Um, and yeah, the Sharks just left it all too, way, way, way too little, too late. Yeah, they had a lot of ball, didn't they? In their second half, and to score their first try um, took them a long time. They they batted away for ages, and even when just before Powell scored that try too, they were they were just. It was all sharks. It was nothing else. But they looked, they looked clueless. They really didn't look like they knew how they were going to, to penetrate that defence. And it was, it was all a bit sad, really, wasn't it? When you got such a talented team, um, the possibilities to them for them were, were great, but they just couldn't seem to break it down. And like you said, the scoreboard pressure really took its toll. And the Brumbies knew that they could just set themselves def- defensively. They didn't need to force anything. As long as they made their tackles, they could get the job done. But you look at the Sharks here and you say, how did that team make uh, make the quarterfinals? Did they deserve to be there? It's a bit like when you talk about the Highlanders as well in that state. They only just snuck in that last-minute try um, to Lekanyu Armas last weekend or weekend before, proving to be the, the ultimate decider between them getting there or not getting there. So they, didn't look, they looked out of place, didn't they? They didn't look like they really were good enough to compete playing the way they did. Yeah, if you look. I mean, let's go. The, the, the Chiefs, with the start they had to the season, they 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 had no right to make the finals either. I mean, they finished the season really, really well um, and put themselves in a great position in that quarterfinal. Uh, to be fair to them, but they really shouldn't have been in the in in the playoffs after that kind of start to the season. Um, the uh, yeah, the top five, I think, all all deserved their places, but the um, but the, the 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 next three that made the made the quarterfinals. Yeah, it shows you that if you take more than half the teams to the into the finals, you're going to get some uh, mismatches, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, some a couple of a couple of the teams I don't think deserved it. But that did set up, of course, uh, the Brumbies to head over to Argentina to face the Jaguares in the semi-final number one Friday night. Now I'll never forget that. Now <laughs> and of course it will be semi-final two will be the, the Crusaders hosting the Hurricanes, which um. 
I don't know, said some fairly mouth-watering prospect of a Saturday of rugby, wouldn't you say? It does, absolutely. I mean, I'll be previewing the games on Thursday with Ryan, but I, before we even see the sides, let's be honest, we know that um, the Hankiwaris versus the Brumbies is really... The, the, we expect the Brumbies to have the upper hand, especially in the scrum, uh, in, in the forwards there, but in the backs, the Hankiwaris will, will have the upper hand. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see sort of front forwards against backs in that game. Uh, and then the Crusaders versus the, the Hurricanes, um, basically, can uh, can we have enough moments of brilliance from the players like TJ, Bowden, um, Ardi Surveyor to get past the combined, uh, just the, the, the machine um, that is the Crusaders? Because, yeah, as, a, as, as we said against the Highlanders, it was more a collective effort. Um, and I think we're going to need moments of brilliance from, the, from those three players, especially. Uh, and maybe also that... Um, the, a person that a lot of us thought should be in the All Blacks, but uh, is having a really quiet season, is Lamapi. Uh, can we? Could we see? Could this be the game that he uh, that he suddenly breaks out and shows us what he's capable of? We'll all find out, of course, on Saturday. Saturday, the whole Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights, of course. Um, big games, big games. Of course, a place in the final is at stake. Of course, if the Crusaders do win, they'll be hosting it as well, won't they? So there's a lot on the line for them. But I think big decider Brumbies. Um, Huggwares game, home crowd, that's going to be massive. You probably Crusaders might not have the same luxury because will you get a lot of Wellingtonians travelling south to the match in Christchurch would be a question mark. Hardcore fans, who knows? Um, it's only a small stadium though, so they have to get their tickets in pretty quickly if they want to get there. But um, definitely, you're not going to see many um, Australians going over to Buenos Aires, are you, to support the Brumbies over there? So, I mean, they can hardly get a crowd themselves um, to their own games. So, yeah, that, that's going to be a big decisive factor for me. Big, big games coming up this weekend, so we can't wait to get those underway. Placing the final up for grabs, and that does wrap us up for the preview of the quarterfinals. Four good matches, though. I'm not going to I'm not gonna lie. They were quite exciting. Oh, it was a really good weekend of rugby, um, and, yeah, really enjoyed it. So, uh, thank you very much, Stephen, um, or Steve, sorry. Uh, don't forget to check over, check over, check over, maybe check over, check, go over and have a look at the, uh, um, the Cornflakes uh, the Complex channel, um, all your, your best place for rugby gaming uh, around. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow night at 8 pm, Wednesday night at 8 pm, and Thursday night at 8 pm. So uh, don't miss any of that.